Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Dating Podcast. I'm your host, Yvonne. This podcast is brought to you by You Are Dynamic LLC, the company who believes in and cares about you. This is the second of four Wednesdays in December that is going to help you escape your abusive relationship. Did you know that statistically the victim leaves and goes back to their abusive relationships seven times? But you don't have to be that statistic. You can leave and never go back. And it's important that you do this so you can give yourself the chance to thrive so your children can have a chance at knowing what a healthy and loving relationship resembles away from the abuse that they've been witnessing. Next week, I'm going to talk about the effects domestic violence is having on your children. So remember to look back and uh, listen in for next week. This week's topic, why do I keep attracting abusive relationships? It's going to be kind of hard to listen to because you may become triggered by some of the content. But listen, it's necessary to help you understand why you make some of the choices that you've made. And nope, I'm not blaming you for the abuse because that's all on the abuser. Listen, it's never, ever your fault, but it's something that the abuser is choosing to do. And that's hard. That was so hard for me to to grasp, to hold on to, because it's not a part of something that I would do. And it's probably not something that you would do. You're not responsible for his actions. But I want you to know this. I'm vested in you. And the reason I'm vested in you is because I am you. When I was dating, I didn't understand that I was even in an abusive relationship. And maybe you don't consider that what you're going through as abusive, but I hope and I pray that by the time you're done listening to this series, you're going to wake up and realize that yes, You are in an abusive relationship. Could you be unknowingly attracting these abusively toxic relationships? Stay tuned. One young lady I interviewed for the podcast told me this. She said, excuse me, I thought it would be different this time. Really, I did. But here I was, yet again, in another abusive relationship. Why did I keep dating the same abusive man with a different name? In my first marriage, he never hit me physically. Yes, he put me out of the house twice when I was pregnant. And yes, he withheld attention and affection from me when he was angry with me. And yes, he yelled at me every chance he got. In my second marriage, he never hit me either. He forced me to have oral and anal sex. He told me that since I didn't punch the clock with him, that his money was his money. He cheated on me the entire time we were married. But I just didn't know that those things were considered abuse. Have you ever heard anything like those things before? This young lady experienced emotional, verbal, 
mental and financial abuse, having no idea that she was experiencing abuse. I've done book signings before and people have stopped and said to me, how in the world can you not know that's abuse? Hmm. Well, I'm going to share some of these reasons for that with you in this episode. Things that I've learned from therapists. And although I'm not a therapist, I do have lots of experience. So I'm going to share a story with you, of course, again, from the Yvonne Vault during this podcast. And if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I've been in many abusive relationships. But through therapy, I have learned that I attracted those relationships. Say what? At first, I didn't want to accept that as truth. I mean, who in their right mind would go seeking someone to abuse them in their romantic relationships? Well, the therapist said that because in my formative years, I consistently witnessed domestic violence is what I learned. Get that. It's what I learned. And because of that, it's what became my norm. I was accustomed to witnessing abuse and it became my norm. And then the therapist also said I was traumatized. Traumatized? What? Well, according to an article in the Help Guide, Emotional and psychological trauma, like consistently witnessing domestic violence as a child, is the result of extraordinarily stressful events. Not just a regular event, but extraordinarily stressful events. They shatter yourself, your sense of security, making you feel helpless in a dangerous world. And then it goes on to say that psychological trauma can leave you struggling with upsetting emotions, memories, and anxiety that doesn't go away. It can also leave you feeling numb, disconnected, and unable to trust other people. It's not the objective circumstances that determine whether an event is traumatic, but your subjective emotional experience of the event. And then it ends by saying, the more frightened and helpless you feel, the more likely you are to be traumatized. I'm going to go back and look at this and, and go into it a little deeper. It says, experiencing domestic violence, it can leave you feeling numb, disconnected, and unable to trust other people. So if you're in a relationship and you're feeling numb, disconnected, and you can't trust someone then that's a sign right there. That's a huge sign that you shouldn't be in a relationship at this point. You're not healed. You've been traumatized. You probably don't even realize it, or you may not even consider it being trauma, but it's trauma. Think about the men and women who have gone to war and come back suffering from PTSD. You've gone through war. And you do have post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, those things happened in my life because that's what I grew up witnessing. But you may have grown up with an intact family. You were shown love. 
and you were shown prime, prime examples of healthy relationships and how they should be, yet you are currently in or have been in an abusive relationship. Why is that? All right, so the first one I did was we don't look at the red flags. We keep ignoring them. And here's another one. We don't recognize the cycle of abuse. Did you know that there was a cycle of abuse? These stages include the building of tension, the abuse ident- I'm sorry, the abuse incident, the reconciliation and a period of calm. So I'm reading this as I've gotten it from one of my resources that I'm listing in the description notes. These stages include the building of tension, the abuse incident, the reconciliation, and a period of calm. And I bet you have gone through these four stages and they've gone so rapidly, you didn't even notice they were stages. All right, so I'm going to continue with reading uh, how it's described just to give you an idea. So in the tension stage, in the tension stage, your body and intuition, they give you four warnings. You become hyper alert to your abuser's needs and begin feeling guarded and anxious. The fear that abuse is about to happen, whether it's emotional or physical, invades you. And this has been happening to me, so I'm able to tell you about these things. This is typically because the abuser has begun exhibiting signs of paranoia, anger, injustice and powerlessness in response to some type of stressor. That's the tension stage, the incident. The abuser eventually releases the tension on you using threats, raping you, name calling, all to regain power and establish control, typically accusing you of making them mad or blaming you for all of your relationship problems. And the last time I looked, there were two people in the relationship. So how can he blame you for every one of your relationship problems? Okay, that was the incident. Reconciliation. After the incident happens, they cry, promise to never harm you again, bring you gifts. And then that causes the tension to gradually fade and the two of you make up. Now, the making up reminds you of what's called the honeymoon phase in that it reminds you of the great times the two of you have shared. That was the reconciliation. And then the fourth one is the calm. After the reconciliation occurs, a period of calm begins. This is where both parties generally come up with some sort of explanation or justification for the incident. This reprieve offers relief from the physical and emotional tension and pain. So then you start right back over again, as in a circle, the building of tension, the abuse incident, the reconciliation and a period of calm. After that period of calm, you go back to the building of tension, the abuse incident, the reconciliation and the period of calm. I don't know about you, but just like a washing machine has its cycles, your abusive relationship does too. 
So I don't know about you, but I've gone through each one of those phases. It's just that that cycle moves so fast that, like I said before, you're probably not even recognizing it's a cycle. And I want you to be mindful that the cycle, it repeats itself. So we're not looking at the red flags and we didn't even know there was a cycle of abuse. And then here's another one. We let them take responsibility for making us dependent. We let them take responsibility for making us dependent. And here's a story from the Yvonne Vault. When I met my ex-husband, I was two years free from the last abusive relationship and hadn't noticed that I was being abused, but I also hadn't healed in between the relationships. I was unemployed at that time and living with family. I met him when I was looking my worst. I didn't care what I looked like because I was still angry and I was carrying around so much pain. And I'm sure, I'm so positive that the pain was showing on my countenance and it was emanating from me at least by a two mile radius. I'm not kidding. It had to be walking around with me at least <laughs> in a two mile radius of my body. I saw him and I didn't see him because I wasn't even looking for him. He spoke and I spoke, but I didn't have anything to say. And then guess what? He showed up a second time at the same place. And once again, <laughs> I wasn't looking for him. I thought the second meeting was by chance and found out after we got married that he came back looking for me. And these were his words. You were just what I was looking for. Those words would reverberate with me years later. You were just what I was looking for. And I was just what he was looking for. I had just gotten a shipment of books I had written and I was so happy and I showed them to him. Guess what he did? He instantly went in his pocket and pulled out a wad of money and purchased many of my books. He didn't even know me, had never read a book of mine. But think about that. Okay, fast forward. He knew I wasn't working. So he offered to help me by including me on his cell phone plan. That took a little convincing, but I caved. He paid for everything we did. Now these, these things happened before we got married. He began putting gas in my car to help until I can get on my feet. And then he fixed a huge computer problem I was having and didn't charge me for it. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you see the progression here? Can you see how I was becoming dependent? I hope you can. Another reason that we keep attracting these abusive relationships is because we don't want to be single. But I don't want you to judge yourself too harshly. Because we were created to be in relationship and no one person is an island. Most of us grew up with the fairy tale of Cinderella. Some of us believe the myth that the knight in shining armor does exist. No! Even those of us who have been through multiple abusive relationships, 
we still find ourselves looking for Mr. Right. So we allow that craving to drive us into relationships we know we don't have any business being in. All because we don't want the stigma of being single. According to an article by WitDevereaux.com or WitDevereaux at his website, WitDevereaux.com, I'm going to quote what he said. After finding myself in many abusive relationships, I realized that I feared being alone more than the actual abuse itself. This revelation would not come about until after many years of what I like to call a serial dater. That's what I became. What is a serial dater? It's someone who dates continuously, never giving themselves the opportunity to heal before jumping into another relationship, unquote. Are you a serial dater? There's nothing wrong with being single. Listen, not one thing. You're not a failure because you're a single. And there are many, many benefits to being single. What matters is what you do with your life while you're single. Yeah, I get it. You have those raging hormones and you may need your fix. No, you don't. When the cravings hit, let me let me help you out. When the cravings hit, get up and get active. If you have told yourself that you can't do without a man, hmm, I have a bridge I can sell you. Okay. We don't like being single. And then when we are in a relationship, here's the next one. We put up with too much. It's attractive to abusers when they get their way. You should know that. And when we don't use our voices to stand up for ourselves, we draw them to us. And if you know that you don't like something, don't pretend that you do. If his sister is cursing you out, don't put up with that just to be with him. If he's into drugs, don't date him just to have a man. And if he hits you one time, one time, that one time is too much. Are you a peacekeeper, a people pleaser? Do you accept abusive behavior to keep the peace and to please someone? The first time his ex-girlfriend, I said ex-girlfriend, texts or calls him, what should you do? Think about that. Is she still contacting him because (laughs) she's probably not an ex? They're still fooling around. That's not something you want to put up with either. No matter what excuses he gives you, he might say, I can't stop her from contacting me. Ask yourself, is that true? You know it's not true. If they have a child together or children together, of course they're going to have contact, but he should be able to conduct his conversation with her, with you sitting right there. He doesn't have to go into another room to talk to her and you shouldn't have to feel that you need to go through his phone and look at what she's texting him or listening to his voicemails that is if he's serious about you so that's putting up with too much do you do any of those things or maybe you could think of some things that you do that I didn't list okay here's another one we let him become our God we've let him become our God Anytime we allow a single person, a single person to be our all, that person becomes our God. 
we're idolizing that person. And, and we're looking for that person to fulfill every need, not realizing that not one person can fill all of your needs and you can't fulfill all of someone else's needs, not every single one of them. Have you found yourself bouncing every decision you have to make off of your mate? Is your mood dependent on how your relationship is going? On Kiana Lindsay's website, she says, I quote, I remember looking back one day, asking myself how it got so bad. Why had I stayed in such an unhealthy place for so long? The answer, as bitter and, and as ashamed as it made me feel, was because I idolized that relationship. I elevated my boyfriend to where God should have been. And as a result, listen to this, as a result, I gave up my morals, my virginity, and a huge part of my heart, unquote. She said, as a result of idolizing this man, making him her God, she gave up her morals, she gave up her virginity, and a huge part of her heart. Are you trying to put a human in the place of where God should be? It's not going to work. Okay. The next one I'm going to go into is we have a root of rejection. When the tooth root is exposed, this exposes the nerve attached to the tooth and an exposed nerve is extremely painful. <laughs> Just let air or something hot or cold come anywhere near that tooth and you're going to want to scream. And for those of us suffering from a root of rejection. The pain of being rejected is just as severe as that exposed nerve. And if you are from childhood rooted in abuse, shame, guilt, rejection, or a poor self-image, then you're probably headed for problems in your relationships because it's, it's at the root. And when someone who is significant in our lives has rejected us or we perceive that's important we perceive that we've been rejected it makes us feel unworthy so we find ourselves doing more and more to please the abuser anytime the person devotes too little time to their child a child will usually sense the absence of rejection or the absence as rejection so if as a child you were not given the time that you need, the emotional development that you need. You develop a sense of rejection. The death of one or both of your parents can also create a severe wound in your personality. And then that can lead to rejection. Another way is divorce. It's very disruptive in the, the life of a child. And the wound may be deepened if the child has been subjected to an atmosphere of strife and conflict in the home. And this also leaves you feeling rejected. Some children seldom hear a kind or encouraging word. Instead, they're berated, ridiculed, cursed, and teased. Again, that can lead to rejection. It's no wonder that some of us have a hard time getting through rejection. Our need of connection is wired into us right at birth. So if you've gone through 
being ridiculed or teased. You haven't gotten the emotional attachment that you need. People make fun of you all the time. These things uh, extend from your childhood, your perception of how you feel when someone rejects you, someone puts you in shame and guilt. That root of rejection, you take that into your relationship. And then that, in turn, is hidden underneath layers and layers. You know how you peel back the layers of an onion and it's right on the center? That feeling of being rejected, it makes us become those people pleasers. It it makes us hide. And when we're rejected, we go into relationships expecting that. So do you have a root of rejection? You could. Here's another one. We don't know what love is. Fake love is selfish as it only cares for itself. Fake love takes pleasure in lies. Fake love is heartless and painful. Fake love is easily angered and will quickly judge and punish you. Fake love doesn't admit its own mistakes, rather it blames them on others. And then fake love lusts after you and forces itself on you. Wow, that's fake love. Selfish, only takes pleasure in lies, heartless, painful. Have you experienced some of those things from the man who says he loves you? Well, instead, here's what real love is. Think about that. Real love is what's left over after the passion dies out. You know, the puppy love in the beginning, the lust in the beginning. You've gone years with this person. And then real love is what's left over after all that passion dies out, after the rigors of every day, raising kids. And you still can look to that person and smile because in your heart, that's where that person is. Love has many healing properties. It's not disruptive. You know, like cuddling with someone, it releases what's called oxytocin. And that oxytocin mimics a painkiller. So you're cuddling up with someone after a hard day, and you're really not concerned that they're cuddling up because they're going to want some after the cuddle. But you're cuddling up because you're releasing all of that pain and all of that aggravation maybe you've gone through at work the same thing goes like if you're holding hands if you hold hands with someone that you love it it can dispel feelings of anxiety or fear and it can take the edge off that physical pain so if you're not feeling good for instance you're laying down you're not feeling good and just having a cuddle or just holding hands with someone it can take the edge off that pain and when you truly love someone You want to see them happy at all costs. It doesn't equal possession. You're mine. No, love doesn't equal possession. And it also is an absence of fear. When you love someone, you don't fear that person. And then lastly, maybe not lastly, but love is an action word. It it acts. It doesn't just come out of someone's mouth as, I love you but there's no action behind it. So knowing how to distinguish that pure love from fake love, it's gonna give you wisdom on building a long lasting relationship 
while avoiding those toxic ones. So there are many reasons we continue to attract abusers and find ourselves in these unhealthy cycles of abuse. So when you're firm about your boundaries and what behavior you will and will not accept, what you're willing to give and what you refuse to do, no matter what the other person says, you can abuse proof your next relationship. Don't make entering into another relationship become your priority because it's not. You already been there and done that and you got several of those t-shirts. Instead, give yourself time to get to know who you are intimately. Learn how to meet your own needs, wants, and desires. And I want to thank you for listening and heeding the messages in this podcast. And I pray that you are formulating your escape into the new year. The next podcast will be about the horrifying, horrifying impact domestic violence is having on your children. It's number three and four in this series. You may not realize this, but your children are suffering and most likely they're going to take their experiences right into an abusive relationship as they get older. Okay. You have choices to make. And I want you to always remember and never forget you are dynamic. Why? Because everything you've already been through, you're still here.